Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Welcome to Simple Church, everybody. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, we're so glad you guys chose to be here worshiping with us this morning. If it's your very first time here, first we want to say welcome and thank you for being here. In fact, this round of applause is for you. Thank you for choosing to be here with us. So uh, as you guessed maybe from the video, we are starting a brand new series this week called God Never Said That. And uh, before I jump into that, I want to I wanna share some things. And so, I mean, it's November 1st. Does that not blow anybody's mind? It's November 1st, and that just freaks, where, where, freaks me out. Like, where has the year gone? It's, uh, it's incredible to me, but it has been an incredible year. And we set out to do some things this year. We set some goals as a church, and we are seeing those things happen. And uh, one of those things we're on pace for is... Is, uh, is, is seeing people one to Christ. And, uh, and so I ran some numbers this morning because my heart's been very celebratory. And I'm like, you know what? I want to share this with them because today we're celebrating people getting uh, baptized and, and, and turning their lives over to Christ and saying, you know what? I'm going to be obedient to him. And baptism is one of those first steps in a way that I can demonstrate that I'll be obedient. And so we're going to be celebrating that today. But I want to share something else to celebrate with you. So far this year, we've seen 108 people say yes to Christ. And that is something... That is something you, thank you, thank you, Lord. That, that is not something that you see at every church. There's, there's many churches that report, you know, hey, we were lucky to have one guest this year, and to have 108 people say yes is an incredible, incredible thing. So we're very thankful for what God is doing here. We've seen 18 people say yes to, uh, through baptism as well, and I believe we have six more today. And uh, there may be some of you that came today and you weren't planning on getting baptized, but you're going to jump in the tank anyway. You're going to say, today's my day. I'm going to do it. And, uh, and that will be wonderful. We'll give you a T-shirt, but your pants will be soaking wet. There's nothing I can do about that. But, uh, but we'll do baptisms directly after service today. So, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to set up this series for you so that you understand where we're going and what we're doing. And uh, uh, essentially, I, I think it's very important as your pastor to address our beliefs, uh, the, our belief systems, things that we believe, specifically when it comes to God. This is called theology. This is what we believe about God, what, who, what we believe or who we believe that he is, what we believe that his function is, his purpose in our life. It's really important to me that you have a proper understanding of that. And so we're going to spend the next four weeks examining something uh, that is really, really, uh, th- these are really just kind of cliches that I think we all say, and you've probably heard them all before. Uh, so we're going to spend the next four weeks looking at things that God actually never said. The, the Bible never actually says those things, and yet we, we believe them because they're repeated to us often enough. We see them in our culture, in our pop culture. We see them in, in movies. We hear them in songs. They're repeated to us in poems, and so they're, they're reinforced in our hearts and our minds, but they're wrong. And the problem with that is when we believe incorrectly about God, it sets us up for failure. It sets us up for improper spiritual growth. And so, like, one of those things is that uh, God will never give you more than you can handle. How many has ever heard that before? God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, that, that's actually, God never said that. God will never give you more than he can handle. Amen? And that's what the Bible says. And so we're going to look at that next week. The week after that, we're going to look at, at uh, the, the, the saying that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. Well, God, God never said that. 
One of the most important and one of the most dangerous things that I think pop culture wants to tell us, they want, they want us to believe that it, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Well, God never said that either. And so we're going to look at those scripture verses in the next couple weeks and examine that. And this week, we're going to look at, at the, the belief that God wants you to be happy. The truth is, God never said that. God's primary concern is not for our happiness. That's not his primary function and purpose for our lives is for us to be happy. And I realize as soon as I say things like, God doesn't want you to be happy, most of you would like to leave because you want to be in a cush place where it's very comfortable, where the Jesus and the God that you serve is one that wants you happy. And I understand that. But the the problem with this is when we believe that God wants us to be happy, what we're doing is essentially putting God in a place that he serves us. And so I, I think you need, we, need to, we need to understand that God does want you happy. He wants you to enjoy your life, and, and he, wants to have, he has good things in store for you, but that's not his primary purpose for your life. He's, you can't be driven by the idea that God wants me to be happy. And, and it's easy to be confused. It's easy to think this, especially when we look at verses like Psalm 97.12. It says, May all who are godly be happy. And so we think, all right, well, if I'm to be godly, I need to be happy, right? And we need to be very, very careful with this particular kind of belief about being happy is, is the most important thing. Very, very, very careful. And it's easy for us to slip into this, that happy is everything. Because like, look what our culture is celebrating. Look at what is the most popular song that has been sung around the world for the last two years. What is it? Because I'm happy. I don't, know the, I don't know the words. Yeah, and you're welcome. You'll be singing that the rest of the service. You get nothing else out of it. You're all just going to be like, daggone it, Aaron. Do you know there are radio stations out there that are playing this song 24 hours a day? Playing happy so that you can listen to it all the time because happiness is the truth, right? That's what they want you to believe. That's what it's all about. And when we do that, when we begin to believe that, that above all else, God wants us happy, There's a progression of thought that occurs that I think is really, really dangerous. I call it the theology of happiness. The first thing that happens when we believe that happiness is God's primary purpose for us is that we start to believe that whatever happy must be right, and whatever whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. There's a, a popular song by Sheryl Crow. If it makes you happy, can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, why the heck are you so sad? Of course, heck is not what she says, but if I sang what she sang, then you wouldn't be happy with me. So the point is, is that, is that people want you to believe. They want you to believe that if it makes you happy, you should do it. And if it makes you unhappy, then you, then you shouldn't do it. And when that comes to God, that's a very dangerous place to be. The second thing, as you progress down this path of theology of happiness that happens, is that you begin to believe that discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconveniences, and obstacles can't be God's will for your life. You begin to think that, oh, if all this stuff is happening, then I'm not walking in the will of God. This is not what he has for me. And when you do that without knowing it, you begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. That's what begins to happen to you when you have this theology of happiness. 
You begin to believe that God exists to serve you. Think about how preposterous an idea that is. That the creator of the universe, the God who spoke all of this into being, and I said spoke, not worked, not lifted a finger, said light be, and there it was. There's the sun, there's the earth, there's all the creatures in it, everything, the laws of gravity, everything created by God with words. The creator, that guy, is here to serve me like a maitre d' or a waiter or waitress at a table. Hey, I don't like this. Could you take it back, please? This is what I'll have today. If you could just go ahead and get that for me. Oh, and I'm not going to tip you well either. (laughs) It's just, that's not going to happen. That God is here to serve you is a crazy idea. But when you believe that his existence and his purpose is to make you happy, that's what you turn him into. You reduce him down to a cosmic vending machine where if you put in the money and you hit F11, contractually he must give you the Kit Kat, right? You say, if I do this, then God has to do this. If I go to church on Sunday, if I throw some money in the offering plate, if I get involved in a grow group, or if I serve on a team, or if I go on a missions trip, then when I pray, God needs to give me what I want. You reduce him down to a vending machine. If I do this, then he has to do that. Because that's what will make me happy. If my circumstances would change, if I only had this, then I would be happy. Or we begin to believe that if God wants me happy and I'm not, that, well, God failed, that God doesn't work. Like, I tried this church thing. God must not be real because, man, I went to church and my marriage still failed or, or my, my, my finances are still broken. And, you know, forget the fact that you need to change your disciplines and your habits. We'll set that to the side. But you did come to church on Sunday, and so all that's supposed to fix itself because that would make you happy. We, we say that God failed. We say that religion's no good, that church is no good. And we discard it because, well, I tried that and I wasn't any happier. But your happiness is not the highest priority of God. Of course, God is just like a, a parent. You know, we, we all delight in our children's happiness, don't we? We love when our kids are happy. I enjoy that, and God is the same way. He delights when you are happy. That's not a problem for him, but it's not his highest priority. My kids, they, uh, they play soccer. All three of them are on the soccer field, and, and we've loved the past couple years. They've all been on the same team, which is great for our schedule. One soccer practice, one game. Thank you, Jesus. There was one year I coached two different teams, and I'd end this game and run, literally run across the field, and the game was starting for the next kid that I was coaching, and that was just a crazy time in our life, so we're very thankful. I'm very happy. But they all play on the same team, and they're all on the same field. And when my kid scores or when they make a big play, I love that my kids are so happy. They're like, wow, and they're running down the field, and they're so excited. And I delight in that. It's a great moment. In fact, you can tell I'm delighting in it because I'm screaming. My, la- my wife is screaming louder. If you'd like to know what field we're on, just listen for her. Two fields away, you can hear her screaming as loud as possible. For our kids, we delight in that. It's wonderful for us. But... If after my kid has scored or made the big play, if after that they run by the opposing team and flip them off and go, (laughs) their their happiness is not a priority for me anymore. You understand what I'm saying? Another priority kicks in gear. I'm done. And so it's not that, that God doesn't want you happy. It's that pursuing happiness is not what he wants for you. He wants you to pursue him. And not to pursue him so that you can have happiness. Pursuing him for the pursuit of him. When you pursue God 
for happiness, you're pursuing the hand of God, what he can do in your life. You know this. You, you do this sometimes, or you know somebody in your life who has pursued a relationship with you because of what you can do for them. How does that make you feel? Used. You don't feel loved. You don't feel appreciated in that relationship. And that's what we're doing to God when we pursue God for what he can do for us. But he wants us to pursue him for him. And so this whole thing, God doesn't want you happy. There are several scenarios where, or reasons why God doesn't want you happy. The first reason God doesn't want you happy is when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Look, God has laid out for us his best for us in his word. He has laid out standards for our lives in every way, shape, or form, in every part of our life. The Bible lays it out for you. And when we live in a way that is contrary to his best for us, we're living a life of sin, a, a life that misses the mark for his best for us. And so when we decide, we make that decision, well, this makes me happy, but it's contrary to what God says, God doesn't want you to do it. Or if it's something that would be unwise, he doesn't want you to do it. I'm really glad my older brother is here today because when we were younger, <laughs> you, you know, there's just things that seem really great and really fun to do, you know what I mean? But in the end, they're probably not really smart right? We all know what those, we have some of these things in our lives. You know, you've probably done some of these things. Well, well, one of those things is riding on a shopping cart. Anybody ever rode on a shopping cart before? Maybe in the basket and you were pushed. That's not really smart. There's no brakes on that thing. You probably weren't wearing a helmet or safety gear, and the end was probably disastrous. But as a kid, you don't think about these things, and a shopping cart is like the greatest hour of free entertainment in a boring grocery store while your mom shops. You know what I'm saying? And so my brother and I were known for getting on the carts, getting our own cart, actually. Mom would shop with one cart, and we would have our own, and we would push each other around, and, you know, we'd ride on the sides, wee all, all over the grocery store. Now I'm not sure why when he was driving and I was the one hanging that I wound up being slammed into the aisles and things. I don't know what that was all about. I think he loved me. <laughs> he still loves me. But, but we'd ride on those things. Now, how many of you know that this is a great idea? It's free entertainment. It's wonderful. Until you put a, a child in the seat up front. Because once you put a child in the seat up front and you run with that thing and you dive on the back without any groceries in it, counterbalancing the weight, what happens? Wham! It just slams down to the ground. And my little brother was sitting in that seat one time, and mom was shopping with her other cart, and Jeremy was pushing him. Whee! And he went and jumped up on there, and that whee turned into wah! When the cart came down and shattered both of my little brother's legs. Broke both of them. And I don't remember much after that. It wasn't me. It was my little brother. I don't remember much after that. I remember I was whisked one way, and the boy was whisked another and Josh was taken to the hospital, and when he came back, he had a body cast on, down both legs, and a bar that separated and kept him like this. And they had, they had a section cut out here. It was a full body cast from the waist down, and a section cut out here for obvious reasons, right? So the cast didn't fill up. <laughs> and it was, just, it was just covered with a cloth. They, they just taped a cloth on and hung it on there, both sides. And I remember, I remember after it all happened that, that I know Josh regretted the decision to be in the cart. I don't think he was really given a choice. I think he was placed there by the parent. But Jeremy certainly regretted that. He, oh, it, was, it seemed like it would be a lot of fun. 
you know, having your little brother there and being face-to-face with them, you know, just having a great time. There's always a way that seems right to us, but the end is death, right? And he didn't die. He's alive. Yeah, he's alive. But that's a verse. That's a Bible verse, what I was saying. Do you just want to come up here and tell this story? <laughs> no. But I, but I, know, that, I, know, that, I know that my brother regretted that experience because what he did was we, we found him later that night. We couldn't find him. He was hiding underneath the bunk beds, bawling his eyes out because he broke his brother's legs. We, we had these regrets because it seemed right at the time. It felt good. It was happy. But the end was a really bad situation. I'll tell you what we didn't regret. We had to pull my little brother around in a, in a wagon because he couldn't walk. He had both legs and cast. And when he'd fall asleep in that situation, we'd come by and just lift that little flap and walk away. <laughs> and it didn't matter that we were in the store or at church when we did it. So no regrets on that. <laughs> but, there, but there's a way that, that seems right to us But God's, God's laid out his best for us in his word Look at what it says in 1 Peter 1, 15 It says, but just as he who called you is happy So be happy in all you do Is that what it says? No But that's what we want to believe, right? As God is happy, we need to be happy But that's not, that's not what it says It says something entirely different but just as he who called you is holy. Well, that's a tough word. That holy word is a pure word. That holy means consecrated, set apart for a purpose. That holy means that he doesn't participate in darkness. He doesn't participate in those things at all. He is pure. He is right. So as God is holy, here's the call. If you're a Christ follower, here's the call. As he is holy, you be holy. Separate yourself from these things is what he's calling you to do. Some examples of these things are, I sit with people all the time, their marriage is going down the tubes, and sometimes one of the reasons they say that, hey, we're getting ready to get divorced is because we're just not happy anymore. We're just not happy. But let me tell you something. When I do premarital counseling with people, I tell them, there are going to be times that this is not going to be happy. There's a reason that in your vows it says for better, for worse, because guess what? It's going to get worse. And all the marriage said, that's what I'm talking about, it will get worse. There are going to be times in your marriage where you're not going to be happy, but that is not the time that you give up on it. See, marriage is a biblical covenant that has nothing to do with the state or the federal government. It is a covenant and agreement that you make with God that this is my person that I will be with through sickness and health, through death. I'll be with them till this. It's a covenant you make. And so that means that when you're not happy, that means you work on it and get through that period and that time of unhappiness. Now, I'm not here to heap any shame on anybody who's gone through a divorce. That's not my goal. My goal today is to speak to those who are currently married and you're unhappy. Fight. Fight for your marriage. You'll find happiness. You'll find God's blessing if you'll honor that covenant and stay together and work through it. Some of you say, since I'm not happy, I'm allowed to do something that would otherwise be wrong, like eating cake. I didn't say a piece of cake. I said eating cake. 
There's a reason we eat a whole cake, right? Because a whole cake would be incredible. You know what I'm saying? Or an entire box of donuts. We eat a whole box of donuts or a whole pizza because that makes me feel amazing. But how many of you know that's not wise for you? It's not good for your body to process all that all at once. It's, it's not a good thing. Or, or maybe it's like quitting your job, but you've got three kids that are under the age of four sitting at home, and you're like, I have nothing lined up, but I can't stand my boss, and oh, it would feel so good just to tell him where he can take this job and place it. <laughs> it would feel so good. It would make me happy. So it can't be that bad. But I don't have anything lined up, no source of funds coming in. That, that would just be unwise to do that. And yet people do it all the time because it makes them happy. Or even, let's, let's, just, let's just go here for a second. What about premarital sex? Look, sex is defined to be within the bonds of marriage. That's how God created it, was to be a blessing for you within that bond. And when you enjoy it before then, that is outside of his scope. But you say, oh, but it makes me feel good. I like it. Besides, we're married in our hearts. Well, if you're married in your hearts, just go ahead and make that commitment before God and be married now with the rest of us. I'm just saying. But we, we justify our behavior because it feels good. It makes me happy. And yet God says, if you're following Christ, now listen, if you're not a Christ follower and you're here today, I understand you're probably sitting there and making fun of me. And I, I, I'm, I would make fun of me too if I didn't believe this, if I wasn't a Christ follower. But if you are a Christ follower, you're called to a standard that is different than everybody else. You are called to a standard of holiness. Look, I don't expect people that don't follow Christ to behave like they do. I don't have that expectation. I just simply don't. But if you're going to tell me I'm a Christ follower, then I'm going to call you to account to the word of God and what it says. Hey, this is the way that we ought to behave. Be holy. Separate yourself from these things. I know it makes you feel good. But it requires a level of discipline that we separate ourselves from them. Some of us, let's just, let's just go even more simple. I'm going to go right to where I know that even I live sometimes. Maybe it's just shows that you watch on TV, and they make you laugh, but they are filthy. You say, but it, it's so funny. Yeah, but funny doesn't make filthy right. Funny doesn't mean that it's okay for you to laugh at things that in society and our culture are absolutely wrong. That, that's not it. That's not it. Some of I'm constantly surprised by those who profess to follow Christ, and yet they'll be in movies like Magic Mike XXL or went and saw Fifty Shades of Grey. Look, we need to be separated from these things. This is what the Bible has called us to, and I don't mean to make everybody uncomfortable here. I, I'm not trying to do that at all, but I'm trying to call you to what God has called us as Christ followers to. If it makes you happy and it's wrong or unwise, we are... God's not concerned. He doesn't want you to be happy then. He, he doesn't want you to be happy. If he wanted you to be happy, he would be leading you to worship at the altar of happiness, and that's not where he's leading us to worship. He's leading us to worship at a broken, or at a cross where a man hangs who died for us, to worship there, and to take up our own cross and follow him. The next time God doesn't want you happy is when it's only based on things of this world. God doesn't want you happy when it's based on things of this world. If you wait, watch TV late at night, they tell you everything that you need to be happy. 
You can watch all the ads. One of the things that they tell me I need to be happy is a blanket with holes in it. It's called a Snuggie. How many of y'all have a Snuggie? And how many of y'all are happy? And how many of y'all are ashamed? Okay, see? <laughs> There's a few of you, but not all of you. Some of you are like, I wear my Snuggie and I'm proud of it. Shoot. You know what that Snuggie is, right? It's a backwards jacket. That's what it is. It's missing the buckles so that they can tie your hands down and throw you into a corner. Think about that. Straight jacket. Or they tell you that you need some miracle lotion to make you look younger. Or they tell you that of all things you need in your life, and some of you have them, a shake weight. If you don't know what a shake weight is, I'm not going to show you what a shake weight is. This guy knows. He just did it. I will not make the gesture that is required to have a shake weight in your hand. I am live broadcasting on Periscope, and somebody will screenshot that, and I will be all over the Internet forever. It's ridiculous music. <laughs> Gesturing for a shake weight. It's because I know my people. But they tell you that you need the new iPhone, which, by the way, the new iPhone will take you very close to happiness, but it is not. <laughs> very close. Or a new purse, or, the, or some new kicks, you know, the new LeBrons, or the new Jordans. They, they, they tell you that to be happy, you've got to get these things, you know. They want to push you towards experiences. They want to tell you that if you're not happy in your relationship, just go get a new one. It's stuff. You can acquire these things. Here's the equation that the world says you need for happiness. Better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences plus the right relationships plus the perfect experience. Add all those together and you get happiness. That's what the world wants you to believe, that happiness, you have to have all those things in order to be happy. But let me tell you something about those things. They're all just counterfeits. They're counterfeits for what you actually need in your life. They make you happy for a season. They make you happy for a time. I mean, it's thrilling to get the new device or the new thing and then have everybody fawn it and go, oh, is that the new thing? Is that the new phone? Yes, it is. Oh, my gosh, you're so lucky. I'm so jealous. I'm getting my next week. And you're the toast of the town until everybody gets one, and then you're no longer the center of attention. Happiness gone. Good feeling gone. We want to be the pre-order. We want to be the first one to get the new thing, the new bobble, the new trinket, the new show. Did you watch the new show? I watched it. I stayed up till midnight last night. I'm tired today, but I'm good. I'm going to yell at my kids, and I'm going to abuse everybody in my world, but I watched the new show. Well, was it worth it? We feel like we've got to have all these things. But they're just counterfeits for what, what's real, for what you need the most. My wife and I, we love this, this one song. Today's a very musical day, by the way. Not sure why it turned out that way. It just did. But there's a song by Four Non Blondes. Maybe you know it. It's called What's Going On. It's like the only song I know of theirs. But it was very popular when I was growing up. And it's like there's every reason that this song is popular. There's so many things right with it, you know. Hey, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, what's going on? Yeah, it's a great song. So, like, my wife and I, every time this song comes on, we sing it at the top of our lungs because this song was created for people like she and I who cannot sing a lick. Like, we are, it is perfect. It's the car driving song. It's the shower song. It's like... 
the, you know, sing this close to somebody's face song. You know what I'm talking about. And so we love this song, and, and we started looking for it on iTunes a few years ago, and, and for whatever reason, they didn't have the song on iTunes. It's just like, it's one of those things. There's probably a, a contract that, or something that has not been sorted out for it to be on iTunes yet. It may be there now. I don't know. Somebody want to check that for me? No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it, but it, so what we did was we found there, there was an, another band that did the song, a band called Pushbox. Anybody ever heard of Pushbox? No, see, that's what I'm talking about. Nobody's ever heard of Pushbox. I'm not even sure if they're like a legit band. They may be a cover band. But they did this song, and it was the only version we could find, and so we downloaded it. And every time we listen to it, we're singing our hearts, and hey, yeah, yeah, what's going on? It's awesome. And, and at the end of the song, we both look at each other and go, that's not the same. That, that didn't feel the same. The girl's inflection, the way she sings the song is all wrong. Even the music is all wrong. And she's got, she's got these little things. She's like, ooh, ooh. You know what I'm talking about, right? Come on, tell me there's some more karaoke nuts out there than just me. (laughs) And she's just got it all wrong. It's just a counterfeit. And when you're dealing with a counterfeit in the end, counterfeits always leave you empty. It's like you telling me you had a burrito from Hotheads today. And I'm like, that's not a burrito until you've had one at Chipotle. You know what I'm saying? It's just not the same. It's for real. It's a counterfeit. This is what the Bible says in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Let that just resonate with your heart for a second. That, if that's not like the most convicting verse ever, if you're a Christ follower, this would just, should, should just shake you inside. Because when you think across your life, is there something that you love in this world that you would hold on to just as much as you'd hold on to him? If you have any love for anything in this world, the love for the Father is not in you. You don't understand what it's all about. And I don't mean that you have a feeling of strong like. I mean love, a word. This is an active word. This is, I am in pursuit of this thing. I would live and die for this thing. Is it your kids? Is it your job? Is it your career? What is it that you love in this world? Then love for the Father is not in you. Jesus made it very clear. He said, unless you love or hate your mother, father, brother, sister, then you can't, be in, you can't love me. But he was saying you need to hate them in comparison. It needs to look like you hate them in comparison for your love for me. doesn't really want you to hate your brother and sister. The verse continues on. It says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. There's an end to them. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. God has something so much better for us than the things that this world has to offer, than the stuff that is here. All of it will make you happy for a season. But in the end, it will pass away. So God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. God doesn't want you happy when it's only based on things of this world. But here's what God does want for you. God wants you to be blessed. You say, well, isn't that the same thing? No. No, it's not the same thing. In fact, the word blessed, if you were to look it up in its original text... 
its original translation, the Hebrew word of blessed, which you understand our Bible is translated from Greek and Hebrew, and the Hebrew word, anytime a Hebrew word is used, it's like a story within a word. It paints a picture. And so this word, the, blessed, the word blessed that is translated is makareos. But some of you would not feel blessed if I did the thing that it kind of sounds like. It's not, it's makareos. <laughs> it means supremely blessed. It means more than happy. It's more than happy. This is what God has designed and purposed for you is to be blessed. It doesn't mean that you're never going to get sick. It doesn't mean that you're never going to lose a job. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get a zit before the prom or the big day or the interview, right? It doesn't mean that things are always going to go your way and that God is going to say yes to everything that you ask him. It doesn't mean that you're going to have your dream house, dream relationship, dream man or girl. It doesn't mean that you're going to have the dream job. It doesn't mean all these things. That's not what blessed means. What it means is that you're going to have pain. There's going to be storms. You're going to be weak in your life. There's going to be trials. But in all of those things, you'll have comfort in pain. You'll have peace in the storm. You'll have strength in the weakness. And you'll have joy in trials. That, my friends, is blessed. And that is what the world is seeking. It is what they want. It's what they hunger for. And they don't know where to find it. That's why they're looking for it in all these things. And when they find that joy or they find that peace or they find that comfort for a moment, they tell everybody else, this is the way. And they chase after it. But they find what everybody else already knows. It's a counterfeit. There's nothing in it. James 1 two through four. Some of you are very familiar with this passage. It's very countercultural. I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to tell me if it makes any sense. Sorry, it's not up on the screen. It says, my brothers and sisters, you will have many kinds of trouble, but this gives you a reason to be very happy. Tell me that makes any sense to you. Does it? So are you going to tell me my baby mama done left me, and I'm supposed to be happy about that? You're going to tell me that I just lost this job and I'm supposed to be happy about that? You're going to tell me that somebody's taking me to court and falsely accusing me and I'm supposed to be happy about that? Doesn't sound right, does it? Hello? It's so countercultural. But look what it, it says. Here's why you can be happy. He said, because you know that when your faith is tested, look, this means apart from God, that doesn't make sense. But when you include God in this equation, it does. You know that when your faith is tested, you learn to be patient in suffering. If you let that patience work in you, the end result will be good. You will be mature and complete. How many one of you be, want to be mature and complete? He says, you will be all that God wants you to be. You know, some of you, you're here today. And you're going through pain. This is the greatest pain in your life. It could be a physical pain. It could be a, 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 a relational pain. It could be emotional pain. It is the greatest pain you've ever experienced. But I'm telling you that God wants to comfort you. It says that he comforts and is close to those that are brokenhearted. That's blessed. That's blessed. It says for those of you that are you're going through some of the greatest storms in your life, stuff is just happening to you that you didn't even create. Circumstances around you, you don't even begin, you can't even begin to understand it. You can't see your way out. You don't know what to do. And in the storm 
of this life, God will give you peace. Oh, peace that nobody else understands. Doesn't say it would take away the storm. See, that's blessed. Peace in the middle of the storm? That's a good thing. You may be weak under the pressure of it all. Maybe you struggle with addiction. Or maybe you've just got a series of circumstances. You're trying to be faithful. You've been faithful. And you're growing tired from the pressure that is around you, the expectations people have from you. And you're feeling weak, and that's okay because in your weakness, Christ is revealed and God's strength is proven. It's just a good thing. That's blessed. That is something the world can't offer you. You may be going through trials and tests, and joy is what James tells us to have. And you can have joy in the middle of a trial and a test because you know that it's going to produce something in you. This is going to make me mature because during this trial and test, I grew closer to God. I learned to hold on to Him. I learned to use Him as my foundation instead of everything everybody else was telling me to do. I stood on the rock that was His promises. And I prove that he is true and I can have joy because I've been through enough stuff in my life that I wouldn't choose to go through again. But he's been faithful and I can have joy right now. That's blessed. That's blessed. That's what God has for you. When you pursue him, that's what he desires for you. Look, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's Psalm 37.4. Now, so many preachers use this, and people use this to their personal advantage. They say, so you're telling me if I go to church on Sunday, I throw some money in the offering plate, I get on a serve team, I go to their grow groups, I go on a mission trip, I do all these things, and I'm delighting myself in the Lord. I wear a happy smile. I tell people about Jesus that that means that God will give me anything and everything that I want. No, this is vending machine theology. That's not how that works. What it says is that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, he changes your desires. See, as you pursue him, as you delight yourself in him, your heart, your desires, everything about you begins to be transformed and conformed into the image of Christ. That is his purpose for you. That is what he has for you in this blessed life. It's for you to be made to look like his son. That's his desire. And when that happens, when you are transformed, when you are changed, you begin to pray, and you begin to pray like Jesus did. You say, you know what? All of this is, he's in the garden. He's getting ready to die. I've said this multiple weeks now. He says, I'm getting ready to go to this cross, and I don't want to do it, but let your will be done and not mine. You can begin to pray that way. And when you, your desires are changed to see God's purposes play out in your life, you begin to pray a different way. And when you begin to pray according to his will, that's when the Bible tells us he hears us. See, every time my kid asks me for something that is in my will and my purpose and design for their life, the answer is yes. Hey, Dad, I need a new book. I need to go to the library. I'm educating myself on this subject. I need to go to the library. Yep, let's go. Hey, Dad, I've got this skill I need to learn. Can you teach this to me, or can you connect me with somebody who can? Yep, let's do that. Hey, Dad, I want the new Nickelback CD. Nope, sorry, that's off the table. We're not doing that. Hey, Dad, I'd like to go to Chipotle for dinner. Yes, that's my will for you and my design. We will do that. The answers are yes when you ask according to his will. And when we delight ourselves in him, he changes, he gives us new desires of our heart. That's blessed. That's blessed. And so God wants you blessed, not happy. I'm going to wrap up with this story, and this is, this is a story from Max Lucado that is kind of filtered through another 
another pastor that I listen to. His name's Craig Rochelle, and he, he shares it this way, and I'm going to ask you a question I'd like you to answer for me, like out loud, okay? So participate. If you take a fish out of water and you place it on the beach, is the fish happy? Why? Can't breathe. Fish is not made for the beach. Even though the beach is delightful, the beach is great. Who likes to go to the beach? Yeah, everybody. I love the beach, right? But a fish on the beach is not a happy fish. But what if, all right, so let's leave the fish on the beach and let's give it a pile of cash. Is the fish happy? Okay. How about we give it a comfy chair and some sunglasses? Is the fish happy? How about we give it a Corona and the newest magazine of Playfish? Is it happy now? Check out the tail on that, right? You think those gills are real? For sure. Why isn't the fish happy? <laughs> All right, pull it together, folks. Pull it together. <laughs> Why isn't the fish happy? Because the fish was not created for the beach. It was created for the water. I share this with you because I'm going to encourage you and redirect you today. You were not created for this earth. Your purposes are beyond this earth. You were created to spend eternity enjoying God in heaven and giving glory to him while you're here on this earth. That's what you're created for. You were created for an eternity there. You cannot find your happiness, your satisfaction in anything that this world has to offer. Your satisfaction will only be found in him when we are with him there. Moments of joy and happiness that we have here on this earth cannot compare to what's ahead. So here's my challenge to you. Lower your expectations of earth, not heaven. Heaven is going to be glorious. We'll be with him there 24 hours of the day, seven days of the week, if such things exist when we get there. Who knows? There's no car. There's no new wife. There's no new iPhone. There's no new anything that can compare with what God has planned for us and will give us the true joy that our heart craves. We must seek him. We must delight in him. We need to seek to satisfy him and not the desires of our flesh. Then we will be blessed. That's more than happy. God delights in our happiness, but his priority is that we are blessed, that we are formed into the image of his son. Now that verse that I read to you earlier today that said, that was kind of misleading, that said, may all those that are godly be happy. I only gave you part of the verse. I'm going to use it to close today. Here's what the rest of that verse says. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name. Your happiness is found in him. That's where we are to seek it. That's where we're to find it. If you're willing to be honest with yourself today, the things that you would identify make you happy are short-term. They're counterfeits, if you would be honest about them. The relationship, the job, the stuff, the things you do to make you feel happy, they're, they're counterfeits. God has something greater for you, and that's Jesus. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but there, today we're going to be celebrating some baptisms, people that are following Jesus and his command to be baptized today. And so I want to dismiss you at this time. Ryan is standing here, and you need to follow him. He will show you where you can change your clothes and be prepared.
So we'll give you just a moment to move and do that. And it's so exciting to me. We're going to save that space for the kids right there. Yeah, those seats will be safe for the kids right there. But let's, 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 let's maintain this spirit and let's everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. You know, I want, I want to toss this out there because today maybe you've been walking this earth, you've been seeking for happiness. You've been searching for it in relationships, money, careers, personal goals, thrills this world has to offer. Maybe you've been trying to find it in drugs or at the bottom of a bottle. Maybe others of you, you've looked for it in your sexuality, but in the end, you're not happy. You're not satisfied. They've not provided, or maybe they've provided happiness for a season in your life, but you feel empty still. And you know that it's just a cover-up. These things that you've been pursuing are just cover-ups for what you truly desire. Because today, you were not made to be satisfied by these things you were made to be satisfied, made to be complete in God. And the only way to be complete is through his son, Jesus. By accepting the sacrifice that he made, by coming to this earth, dying on the cross, resurrecting again. For you, for you to be forgiven, for you to be transformed, for you to be blessed. When we accept that sacrifice, new life is ours. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're tired of the pursuit of happiness and you're ready to be blessed. And if that's you, would you join 108 other people who so far this year have said yes to Jesus? I'm gonna pray, and I want every head bowed and no one looking around. I'm just gonna ask. I don't wanna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you up to the front. I'm gonna ask you. If you'd like to be included on this prayer that I'm gonna pray, would you just put your hand in the air? Would you do that now? Say, Aaron, count me in on that prayer. That's me. Today, I wanna say yes to Jesus. I wanna begin my relationship with him. If that's you, do it now. Put your hand, throw it up high. Don't be embarrassed. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Say, that's me. This is your moment. The entire destiny, your entire life could change right now with a decision. One more chance. Thank you. You can put your hands down now. I'm going to give you the prayer. You can say the words. Say them out loud or in your heart. doesn't matter to me, but you need to mean them. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. Be Lord of my life. I believe that you came to this earth, that you died and rose again so that I could be forgiven and made new. Transform me. Give me your Holy Spirit. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing just that. May my happiness be found in you from now on. Thank you, Jesus. I give you my life. Now, Father, I pray for all, those that, all, all the rest of us that are here. Lord, those of us that have been following you. Maybe we've been struggling with our walk with you, Lord. Maybe we've been making compromises in our, in our lives. We've said, ah, it makes me happy, so I'm going to just do this. Nobody's looking or nobody will ever find out. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to go there. I'm going to sleep with them. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, it'll be okay. Lord, I pray that you would convict our hearts. Lord, that that call to holiness 
would ring in our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we would respond. Father, I pray that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us, that you would break us of these false beliefs that you're all about us just being happy when really you want us to be blessed. Help us live the blessed life. Give us the strength we need. Give us the wisdom we need. Give us the guidance we need. Give us the people in our lives who would continue to encourage us along that path. Help us, God. This, is, this work, this being blessed is impossible without you. We need you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.